You are listening to the Battle Ready Podcast. My name is Aaron McManus, and I'm here with my father, Erwin Raphael. McManus, can you say hello? How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing really, really good. It feels like it's been a while, even though we did two short episodes last week. And there was a little bit of controversy around the two short episodes. We got some some negative feedback. Yeah, but it's really positive negative. It's positive negative. Because it would have been negative negative if people said... We like the shorter ones because the less you talk, the better. <laughs> so I want to read a couple of comments. I'm gonna. I'm fine. I'm looking for them. Looking for them. Um, and Nell, I'm gonna butcher some names, and I am apologizing. Okay. This is on the Battle Ready Podcast Instagram. Instagram. Okay, and if, if it's spelled J O H N, it's called John. Okay, thank you so much. And <laughs> Nell Rosales said, "If you listen to it four times in a row, then it feels like a longer pod." <laughs> Love Adam that. said, "Already missing them full meals." Oh, that's so good. The Chosen Joe 15 said, man, I was a little bummed when y'all chopped the time of full course (laughs) meals down to apps. However, y'all still pack so much in 15 or less. So good guys. Oh, I don't know. I feel like he deserves a (laughs) t-shirt. There was one. Oh, this is my favorite one. Okay, okay. Oker, Oker, Oker Creative. Ochre. It's probably ochre creative. Ochre. Uh, my dog doesn't understand why our... <laughs> <laughs> my dog doesn't understand why our walks are getting shorter. I tried to explain, but bite-sized <laughs> means nothing to him. <laughs> Mitchell Santana H. says this. Definitely need, all caps, the longer episode... It's a need, not a one for me. I rather a good hour every two weeks than a bite size. Guys, it's okay to scale back. You two have a lot going on. I get it. But it really wasn't that I was too busy. It was that you were too busy. What? (laughs) That's not true. I decided to go skiing for two days, 48 hours. Yeah, and what in the world made you think you were allowed to take a break? I don't know. I thought you said go take some vacation time. No, I I thought I raised you better. Vacation. I was. We went to Park City. We we skied. We snowboarded. The the first I posted this on my story. Maybe I'll post it again. But the first day was an a torrential just powder session. Snowing everywhere, wind was crazy. It looked so violent. Your mom was terrified. The next day, she said, "I need to hear from my son. I, I need to hear from my son." Thank God, <laughs> my friend was wearing bright neon orange because you couldn't see people five feet in front of you. Mm. Next day was absolutely stunning and beautiful. Park City's cool. You can walk into the middle of the village and take the ski lift up. So here's a confession: there were there were two bite sized battle is readies. Yeah, uh, because Aaron McManus went to Park City's and went to went uh, skiing. skiing. I went skiing. So they were bite-sized because I had to get out of here. But I'm back now. All right. All right. (laughs) I'm back now. So here we are. We're going to talk. Are we going to do the controversial episode or do you want to do the easy episode? Uh, Well, let's mix it. Mix and match. No, no, no. no. Controversy. Easy. Well. Controversy. We should probably talk about the Super Bowl and some of the fun things that just happened this past uh, week. My guy. Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. TB in TB. Are you talking about during the Super Bowl or after the Super Bowl? Because <laughs> he was lit. <laughs> Tom Brady had some fun. <laughs> We're not going to condone it. We're not going to judge it. 
But he, but even even then he's a full grown man. Even he then can... he was able to throw the perfect pass <laughs> to Gronkowski when he threw the Super Bowl trophy from one boat to another. Even then he couldn't throw an incompletion or an interception. <laughs> it wasn't a fair game. It wasn't a fair game. No. But there's a great principle. Um, I you know I grew up with sports and. And uh, and my my stepdad was um, a gambler, so I learned a lot about um, vetting sports teams and knowing how to understand the dynamics that create wins and losses. And um, and so that world was a part of the world I grew up in. And one of the things that you look for when you're trying to identify a great quarterback, especially in high school and college, to move to college, go to the pros, is you want to find their worst game. And then watch the game after that, because their psychological recovery is one of the critical components to being able to sustain greatness or sustain excellence. And I think it's interesting that Tom Brady in the uh, conference finals uh, against uh, the Green Bay Packers, which were considered a much better team than the Bucks. Aaron Rodgers won the MVP. I don't know how I feel about that. Well, not him as a person. Just, just my loyalty to Tom Brady. Well, the thing is that, that how do you not give it to the guy who's going up for his football, seventh championship? Football is not basketball. You can be the MVP as a quarterback, but you're still not on the field when they're playing defense. Well, we know football's not basketball because they keep giving it to James Harden, and he's never made it to the to the finals. So that's true. So they don't seem to have that right either. Or Giannis keeps getting it, and he doesn't make it to the finals either. No, but and, he won't get it again. I don't think. Well, so here's the deal: Tom Brady throws three interceptions, and. As you know, uh, well, we both picked the Bucks to win, so we would be in the rare minority of people who believe the Bucks were going to win the Super Bowl. Buccaneers, yeah, yeah. Which Tampa Bay football, Tampa yeah. Bay. So we both predicted Tampa would win. Yours was probably more because you're a Tom Brady fan since you were 11 years old. Yes, and uh, mine was more from an assessment of multiple things, but but one of them is um, Tom Brady has shown over and over again his ability to recover. He throws three interceptions against Green Bay and still wins. Wow. And so when you're playing what probably was considered the most powerful team in their conference with the best quarterback right. in football, uh, the Green Bay Packers, and you still beat them throwing three interceptions, the, for me, the likelihood that he would have two bad games in a row was close to zero. And on top of that, uh, what it showed me was that that team could actually beat the best playing their worst. Hmm. So I did not expect Tampa Bay to have two bad games. And, and historically, I've always found that great defenses beat great offenses. And it was a blowout. I mean, Tampa Bay's defense showed up. They not only showed up, they need to be tested. <laughs> <laughs> they need to be tested. They rocked Patrick Mahomes. And I like him. I love Mahomes. So it man. wasn't like a, a it wasn't a, a hero and villain story. No, hero it was, versus it the was villain. really hero against hero. It was like it two really was. great athletes, two great quarterbacks, two um uh It was like the Super Smash Brothers of football. I don't know who the Smash Brothers are. It's a it's a game on Switch. I play it with with the boys on the lunch break sometimes. Okay, that's what you're doing while I'm reading philosophy. Yeah, where are you reading it? Where are you reading it? <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just kidding. I'm, um, I'm just trying to be Josiah Bartlett from the West Wing. Oh, okay. <laughs> so let's talk about the next subject. So no, but so I want to bring a conclusion to that. Okay. 
It's been even concluded. the best in the world fail. Okay. If you measure Tom Brady by he that, didn't fail. by that again, when he had three the, interceptions, you those would say are errors, not <laughs> failures. Because the failure would be the loss, and he didn't fail. He won. And that's the wonderful thing about team sports, mm. is that you can personally have a terrible game, and your team can actually carry you through. Okay. But the psychological ability to recover from failure, or to re- recover from um, a, a bad moment, is probably more critical to your success than your ability, in fact, it is more critical to your success than avoiding failure. So how, when you have a bad day as a normal human who doesn't necessarily play on like a football team, Mm -hmm. should you judge your success in your week when you're trying to win the week based off of how you came back from a bad day? Absolutely, I would say that when you have a bad day, use that as the impetus, the motivation to come back the next day with the best of you. Mm. That's good. Yeah, and that, that's why all of us can apply this to our lives because right. I think sometimes when we think of greatness, okay, we think people who achieve greatness never have moments that violate that greatness. And what I would say is, no, if you took Tom Brady's life and you showed him the, the game right before the Super Bowl, you'd say this is a really trash quarterback, those three interceptions. And his passes were terrible. I, I mean, the, the, the choices he made on those passes were terrible. The passes were terrible. And... And yet here he comes back in the Super Bowl, and he and it's it's a perfect juxtaposition: three interceptions to three touchdowns. And and what I would say is that um, this is a great reminder: everyone who does anything well does it poorly as well. Uh, you, you know, Steph will go 0 for 12 shooting. He doesn't stop shooting. He doesn't give up on himself or uh, his talent. And every great writer has quote writer's block. You know, every great communicator has bad messages. Every uh, every great leader has bad days where they miss the mark. They make the wrong decision. They don't solve the problem. And if you let yourself be defined by the worst moments of your life, that's who you'll become. If you allow those worst moments to be the motivation to come back at it stronger and harder, uh, you're going to find in yourself a resilience you didn't even know was there. So wow. I just want to really just hone in on that. Okay. Second thing. All right. We're going to go into some controversy <laughs> with The Mandalorian. But before we go into The Mandalorian, do you want to go here? Before we go to Mandalorian, what? I want to go to Mark Cuban. Oh, Mark Cuban. And uh, I, I've had the opportunity to meet Mark Cuban uh, a couple of times. I met him too. He was tall. And he's very kind. He was very gracious, uh, yeah, enjoyable not, person. This is not... No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, I just want to say that up front. You know, we the, like Mark Cuban. Yes, we do. Big Shark Tank fan over here. Big Shark Tank fan. Uh-huh. Um, he did something this week. Mm-hmm. He didn't play the national anthem at the opening of the, the Mavericks-Hawks game. He hasn't been playing it since the beginning of the year. Yeah, it's been oh. all season. I, I told you, all season. I thought season. it was a one-time thing. No, I told no. you, it's been all season. Oh, interesting. That's yeah, why, yeah that's why in the articles, like they were just seeing, they just didn't do it, and they were just seeing if people would notice. So, okay, I, well, said, well, I said traitor because you're taking his side, but it's fine. I was, I was into Mark Cuban. I do want to post— You're calling Brian a traitor. Yes, not Mark Cuban. <laughs> <laughs> Brian for taking my because dad's I, side. I could see someone right now yeah, going, yeah, I was like, wait, 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 let me— Mark Cuban a traitor. <laughs> no, no, no. I do think it's un-American, but I wrestle with it, and so I, I, and, and so I, like, I don't want to make an—this ac- isn't an accusation to Mark Cuban. It's really just—this is an open conversation about— the decision to play the national anthem at the game. 
I mean, it's interesting that he that the, he said, I guess he wants Stephen to be noticed, but there's nobody in the arena, right? Right, but they do show it on like NBA League Pass and where you watch it on most. They don't really show it. They don't really show it on primetime. Like, you don't really show the national anthem on primetime, do they? Not uh, most games. On, on like primetime games, they do show like the opening lineups a lot of times. Okay, I, I'm but gonna, with the national anthem uh, in the regular season, probably no. Probably in the playoffs, they do. They playoffs, they yeah, do. Yeah, right, yeah. Right. yeah. I would. Say, I'm going to go on a limb here that even the most patriotic person probably turns on the game after the national anthem. <laughs> And they're, they're probably like going, I got a TiVo and make sure I get the national anthem. <laughs> no, because usually it's pretty bad too. But, yeah. but so like we've been, I've had the, the, the opportunity to go to lots of NBA games. Yeah. I love the NBA. I'm a yes. big Clippers fan. I, I'm such a Clippers fan that some years I hate them <laughs> because of, because they don't show up again and again. And, and if you're a Clippers, if you're a Clippers fan, you feel with me, if you're a Clippers player, this is just for the podcast. I still want to be your friend. Yeah, anyone who is a Clipper fan like we are, we understand unrequited love. <laughs> I do. <laughs> but I feel like Clippers fans, there's a lot of people that resonate with being a Clippers fan. Like, if you're a Knicks fan, you understand what it means to be a Clippers fan. Yeah, except now we have the greatest owner in the world. Yeah. And we used to have the worst owner in the world. So. We did, so maybe there's hope for the Knicks. Yeah, I think so, uh, too. But here we go. Not playing the national anthem, mm-hmm. is it... Un-American, because I've been to so many games where I'm like, my goodness, do we have to sing this again? (laughs) Is there ever an escape from singing this song? And we were even having this conversation offline, I think maybe even last episode, we were talking about like, does that song still reflect us? Is it modern? Would it hit the top 100? (laughs) Or you said before you thought we needed a new song. Yes. But then, but then something happened. Then he took it out of the game, and and, and then it bothered you. And it bothered me. <laughs> I posted something about it last night, and then some someone from Dallas said, "What, bro? This is my thing. Don't ever DM me, bro. <laughs> I don't have a brother. I have a sister, and don't call me sister either. <laughs> the only person who call me brother is Mariah. Unless you're my actual every day I hang out with you, see you, bro." Call me man or something. Or sir. So what was the comment? The comment was, <laughs> what good does this post do? And so I want to ask, because I, I posted Mark Cuban GG's. Good game. Uh, bye bye And then I highlighted where he said I didn't cancel the national anthem, but then he said in the next sentence, but I canceled the national anthem. So I'm like, which one did you do? Is it okay? Is it okay? It's an interesting question. And is it un-American? Can we start there? Can you answer, is it un-American to not play the national anthem? Um, is it un-American is a question about motive. And so I think that you could you could not do the national anthem and, it, and the motive not be un-American. And I think you could cancel it and the motive be un-American. It, it has more to do with motive than it has to do with, with the actual... You're an owner in the National Basketball Association, right? That's the NBA stands yeah. for? Yeah. So I, which nation no, is but, it the basketball association? All right. Can I, can I give you two personal examples? Well, sure. Okay. And the I, the first one, I don't know if I've ever shared. but well, um, No, but, but I want to commit you to an answer first. Yes or no? Is it yes or no? No. 
It's not okay. un-American because because to be American is to have freedom of speech. And you know me, mm. I'm a huge fan of freedom of speech, no matter whether you agree with me or not. No, I do believe it's freedom of speech. And I also believe that the government should not be telling corporations, and that's what basketball teams are, um, how to run their companies. No, it's an association. Yes. It's a collective, it's, it's, it's with a a collective, collective bylaws of, under it, an association that is governed by a commissioner. Right, but it's but it's a corporation. It's a company. It's not it is, it's not a government entity. Right. And so um ironically, I would say that the government should not tell companies what to do. And the government isn't telling them what to do. The association is deciding what they should do. And I think do. that's that's right. See, the association is – see, I think the commissioner is allowed to tell teams you are going to play the national anthem, which, which, which is which, what happened, right? Because that's within – Adam Silver, the yes, same night. Yeah, that, before, because that's within the organization that they've all committed to. But I would not ever agree that the White House or the government should dictate to a company. But they do. They do with public schools. Public schools are public schools. They're run by the government. So – <laughs> and so, so, but but going to public schools, here's the funny thing. And, and that, this is why my feelings are a little mixed because um, as an immigrant, when I was growing up and I started going to school in the United States and they would do the Pledge of Allegiance. I don't know if you, are you guys too young? Like when I was in school, we had to do the Pledge of Allegiance every morning. Every yeah, morning. Same. You guys did too? Yeah. First, I was in a private school and we did. Okay. Yeah. Went to a Catholic and, school. And then the, you went to Catholic school. Do they have, did they have a second one like the the, the Bible? So yeah, I you to do a prayer as well right yeah. after. Okay. So so Christian school. I went to. I I only made it a few years, but when I was there, when I observed, was that you did the the Pledge of Allegiance and the pledge to the Christian flag, which oh. always felt a little culty. <laughs> culty. Yeah. So so here's my thing. I'm seven years old in the United States. Okay. I've just learned English. You're in Miami. And I remember this clearly. Okay. Um, the opening line, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. I refuse to do it. Now, I was seven years old, and I already had a very... There, country, there goes our audience. I had a very country in mind. I'm kidding. And, well, because I could not understand why I would pledge my allegiance to a flag. But and, you, you say that, and I, I felt the same way as young... Like, I am rebellious by nature. No, I, and I would say, I, like, I love... This, I love the United States of America. I love this country. I'm a huge, you know, um, fan, <laughs> you know. Right. But I'm going to tell you that as a child, I struggled with that going, okay, why am I giving allegiance to this flag? And, and I know at seven, you're not supposed to be thinking about the implications of that. But I just, I, but, I, but I was, I was going, I'm not going to pledge allegiance to anything, you know, because I don't understand the full implications of that. And so I wouldn't do it. And, um, and yet I became such a patriotic person. Um, and a lot of it was probably even through the Olympic Games, how I just loved the United States of America and the U.S. Olympic team probably made me more patriotic than almost anything in life, right? And and so that was my first experience, trying to figure that out along the way. And then when I became a follower of Jesus and I became a pastor, mm -hmm. this is um, the 80s. The 80s, right. So I don't know if you know this, but back then, churches had the American flag in their buildings. And in the buildings? In the church buildings. Next to the cross. Next to the... Uh, they had the Christian flag. Oh, they and they actually have it on a flag, like, in the front. Inside the building. Yeah, I remember that. And I removed the American flag... Oh, no. ...from the church. Ah! And I did this 40 years ago. Okay. 
before it was uh, in any way seen Was this in as, Dallas or was this in This East is LA? in Dallas, Texas. Good Lord. So you and Mark, you go way back. Yeah, we go way back. So I removed the, and my wife, Kim, who, you know, yeah, grew up in North Carolina, very patriotic. Very patriotic. Was uh, livid. American. She was angry with me and felt I was being un-American, unpatriotic. And um, now I, I know where these feelings come from. And I stood my ground and I said that Christianity is not a nationalistic um, belief system. It's right, like, right. like you know, it's Jesus, and uh, you can be a patriot, but being a patriot is not the same as being a Christian. And being a, you can be a Christian, and it's not the same as being a patriot. And so, so okay, so like, so I pulled it out, and um, and it and it created a lot of controversy. Did you for also me. have the Christian flag in there too? Oh, that thing I. Burned, burned the moment yeah. I walked, you know, into... That's weird. Because I did think it was, like, really cultic. It's and very it's very Crusader vibe, Yeah, it's not okay. So I'm saying this yeah, as a person who really struggled with the Pledge of Allegiance and who removed the American flag from the church that felt it was inappropriate to uh, faith. You also made the choice to become an American citizen. Yes, and that's why I'm going all the way around. Um, I, I made a choice to become an American citizen, and I and it was probably one of the most meaningful moments in my life. I, I I still remember the judge looking at us and saying, "The revolution that started 200 years ago, we pass on to you today." And I had goosebumps, and I thought, "I, I am a part of this revolution of creating a new society, a new um, um, you know a humanity." And um, and yet, I think this this move toward deconstruction of removing the Pledge of Allegiance or removing the national anthem because somehow now our entire history as a nation is invalid is a really unhealthy posture. His language was that, Mark Cuban's language was that it didn't resonate with all of the people inside of the organization, and so they're having a conversation. My thing with having a conversation at this time being the Dallas Mavericks is this. It feels passive-aggressive. The remove. I didn't even know that they had done it the whole season. Right. When you remove the national anthem, I think I'm someone who's very forward. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm doing this because I want you to understand this. Mm-hmm. I'm not really passive aggressive. I'm probably more aggressive aggressive or just uninterested. I don't. I, they don't like teeter in the middle. I'm like one or the other. Mm-hmm. Either don't care or like I really care. And and. So it felt passive aggressive for him to do this the whole season. And then once he kind of got outed by ESPN.com and like Twitter and all these things, and then he comes out and says, you know, we're not canceling it, but we canceled it. I was upset by that. But this is why you're a losing team. You're under 500. You're 12 and 14. I'm at 13 and 14 now, I guess. Your star is underperforming. Your second star is dwindling. You're you're not in contention to to win a championship. It feels petty and a PR move to have this conversation. If and it's not to say that all people don't have voices, and I think that's mm-hmm. that's the ramification of yeah. that statement. But it's true. Not all people have the same level of 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 being able to voice things, and it feels like it's um trying to steal the limelight by going, "We're doing this because we're not being talked about enough." From the Lakers who can't seem to lose. Can't seem to lose. <laughs> or, the, or the Jazz. Or the Jazz who like... And I feel like the Jazz aren't, aren't talked about enough. Mm-hmm. Or like, you know, or, or or the Celtics or the Nets. And it... And it I'm like, if the, if the, you know, and I don't know, if, if the Warriors at their height were like, mm-hmm. hey, look, we're having this conversation, I feel like it's respected a bit more. Yeah. Yeah. And just even specifically to 
like the Pledge of Allegiance because it's symbolic. It's, it symbolizes... Or the um, National Anthem, which... which uh, oh, sorry, the yeah, National yeah. Anthem. That's, it, it does symbolize a pride in our nation, a love for our nation. And I, I, I would hate to see American culture become a self-loathing culture where we hate being American. We are uh, ashamed of being from this country and we don't celebrate the unique nature of this nation and the freedoms it provides and uh, the price that has been paid to get us to where we are. Yeah. And, um, you know, to, uh, to open ourselves up to the reality of a, of a history that has been hidden and not talked about enough and not dealt with properly um, with injustice and with slavery, with uh, women's suffrage, with all these different issues, it, it it doesn't mean you have to then discount all the good that has also happened in the nation, and you just cannot project on different times in history the same level of cultural and moral evolution that we've come to. You, you just can't project on 300 years ago or 1,000 years ago the standards that we have today. And, yeah. you know, I just I just think about some of the dynamics. You know, I have a lot of friends in New Zealand. We have a lot of friends in New Zealand. And and they have a great... Well, what's interesting is everyone with a Dutch kind of, I think, a Dutch background. Is it Dutch? I think it's British. I think it's, it's Commonwealth. I think it's Dutch. South Africa's Dutch. I know. And check, check New Zealand. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Dutch. I think it's mostly British, but... Uh, Captain Cook and I think... Br- was a Brit. And, well, I'm going to baptize them Dutch today. And it could be Brits, could be Dutch. They're very Caucasian, very white. And they have a great respect for the Maori culture. And, and, yes. I, and I know that there's like, been a lot of conversations historically about reparations and, and, and how do you make right the colonization destruction of a culture. And uh, did we figure it out? British? Um, it just says he was English. Yeah. Okay, when I'm wrong, you just said we can't find the information. We can't find it. <laughs> Couldn't find it in Great Britain. <laughs> or, okay. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Because New Zealand it was a, a part. Of, is it a part of the British Commonwealth? Yes. <clears throat> My mistake. You're right. I I I, I said corrected. You're right. And Who's right? A- Aaron, okay. Are we are we saying Aaron's right? At this time, did you turn it off? He's returned. The microphones My, only work when I'm right. He's, he's returned. <laughs> All right. Okay. 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 So I was wrong. I'm going to say that I won't be the last time I'm wrong. It's not, the, it's not a big deal. It's not a big but deal. it's going to be the last time the fact checkers will acknowledge okay, so, that I'm wrong. So the, <laughs> so the, the Kiwis have really integrated the Maori culture and center stage in, in, in New Zealand. It, it is. And it, it, it is an extraordinary culture, you know, yeah. and, and even with all blacks with the haka and all that dynamic. Yeah. At the same time, from learning Maori culture and understanding even the haka when they stick their tongue out, it's basically a statement, I'm going to eat you. Yeah. If you translate the haka, it is, I'm going to, to kill eat, you. And eat you. you. Yeah. And, yeah. and from what I understand, and I think this is correct, the Maoris, when they would conquer other more, um, tribes in the, that whole island region, would, would, eat them. would eat them. Yeah. And, but as you do when you win, and uh, <laughs> and and you can't go. Then you go. Okay, how do the Maoris then provide reparations for all the cultures that they conquered or destroyed or eliminated? And I think the reality is that um, right now history only works backwards. And I, I'm going to say this as a, as a non-white person, but it kind of only goes backwards toward white culpability. 
but it, it can't go back to empires. It, it, it doesn't hold the Greeks responsible for, for what Alexander did, or it doesn't hold the Romans responsible for what um, all the Caesars did or what Nero did. It doesn't, uh, it, 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 it just can't, you, you know, and... Why? Well, because you, you can't build a future by trying to constantly repair the past. You have to acknowledge where you are, what's brought you there, and then what are the decisions you need to make today to create the world that all of us agree needs to exist. And, and so my, my whole thing with Mark Cuban and the national anthem or the Star Spangled Banner or, uh, or even with the Pledge of Allegiance is um, this is a clearly imperfect nation with a clearly imperfect past. Um, but it, it is undeniably one of the most unique political experiments in human history. And it is definitely um, a forerunner of freedom and democracy on the planet. And the world would not even have a level of peace and ethical conversations it's having today if this nation did not exist. So that's my comment on that. And so this this is this is interesting, right? Because I was I remember this because the last trip mm -hmm. we were in New Zealand in 2000, I think well we were there a couple years ago, but in 2016 I remember this was happening. New Zealand um, was having a conversation, a debate on whether to change their flag, mm. and New Zealand's pretty modern in this way. They yeah. did a they did a, a vote, and this is one of this was this I think was the flag that won, or or this one. That's right, I remember that. But I think overall they ended up sh shooting it down. That it didn't, but but fifty seven percent of people picked a certain flag, right? And then that flag went up against the current flag, and then they were what's up? Fifty seven fifty seven percent of voters chose the current flag. Chose the current flag. Yeah. Okay, say that again then. No, no, no. no. Uh, the article I read was they they picked the new they picked the new flag with the four submissions, right? The prelims. Yeah. The the semifinals. It, it was like this one flag won over all the other flags, yeah. but then it was now going up against what do we switch it for good? And then, then they decided not to switch it. Not to switch it. But they still fly the new flag. They fly it next to the old flag. So it's a little bit below. So it kind of is like the state flag. I think over time they will switch it. But mm -hmm. I thought that was so interesting. Like if we had a, a, com if we had a competition, mm -hmm. Americans love competition. <laughs> hey, this is the new this – is, this is the, the, these are the options for the national anthem. We vote. And then we vote to see if that song should go up against our song. Mm -hmm. I'm for that. Yeah, but the way the weekend was trashed this past week. The, the way of the weekend? The way of the weekend? What? I don't know what you're saying. Huh? The weekend, the artist. Oh. <laughs> the trashed way. for what? For the Super Bowl performance? Yeah, but that's because it wasn't, that's not because they were saying it's un American. No, no, what I'm saying is who's gonna write the song and everyone's gonna agree to it? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Maybe like Garth Brooks. It would probably be a country song that would win. It'd be a country or rap song that would win. That's terrifying to me. <laughs> That's probably true. It would like the two biggest markets. A country song would definitely win. Yeah. And, and uh, then we'd be back to the, to the national anthem. <laughs> years ago, I was shocked when I saw these statistics that in Los Angeles, country music was one of the most popular music that nobody talks about. The, it's the middle of the country. It's the whole middle of the country. And there's and in LA, there's some people from the middle of the country that people love. Your daughter loves country music because mm -hmm. they're some of the best storytellers. My son loves country music. I do not like country music. I do not like country. But music. you love Taylor Swift's new album because because it's not country. Because the national, <laughs> my favorite band, the National, the National, <laughs> produced it. Brooke, are you going to say something? Over 139 million people in the U.S. listen to country music. That's terrifying. 
<laughs> it's terrifying. But here's the deal. Talking about the middle, this brings us to our next our next conversation. So if you're if we're gonna not play the, the national anthem, I do feel it's an issue because it's what you've signed up for as an owner in the NBA, and it's part of the association, I'm sure, bylaws to play the national anthem as part of the tradition. If you're not gonna do it, I think you, there's ways to do it, and and using it as a PR stunt isn't the way to do it. Am I that mad about it? No, but it's an interesting thing to talk about. Yeah. We talked about the middle of the country listening to country music. 139 million people. I watched this movie <laughs> on a plane the other year. The other year. Because we're talking years now. Because we skipped a year, 2020. I can't remember the name of it. Can, can, can you find... It's, it's a modern movie on Bruce Springsteen. But it's about, like, I think it's a Pakistani immigrant in London... Who oh, falls yeah. in love with Bruce Spring, the boss? The <laughs> okay, Bruce I'm gonna admit it. I watched that movie on the plane. You watched it? I think I walked well, over to you. What's it called? Like, it's called Blinded by the Light. Blinded, Blinded by, by the, the light. light. Come on. <laughs> I love Bruce Springsteen. I do. I really do. And but it you're made not allowed me, to now. But this is what I want to talk about because it was boss. such a great movie. One about like immigrants falling in love with with old music and then his whole his whole family is like what are you listening to and then it was just like this whole cool thing dealing with racism in 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 england and, and all of it but um bruce springsteen did a commercial for jeep in the mm -hmm. super bowl and we are not sponsored by either bruce no, springsteen or jeep no but if bruce if you hear this i do love you and if jeep if you do hear this you can send me a car <laughs> and I will wrap it with battle ready. And there was a time where almost every single one of us had a Jeep. Yeah, on staff. Now Everyone's staff. getting Jeeps. People joke about Mosaic was a Jeep church. Now we're an electric church. <laughs> no. Environmentally friendly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But still love Jeeps. We do love Jeeps. If you'd like to send us a Jeep, you can send us a Jeep. But anyway... I, I, what did you think of that commercial? Did you see it? Okay. Am I allowed to say what I really thought? I don't know. This is America. Um, Brian, did you see that commercial? The the Bruce Springsteen one yeah. from the Super Bowl? The, I didn't like watch it closely. I just It was like a bunch of pretty shots and Bruce Springsteen talking, and I kind of uh, zoned out. <laughs> Sorry, Aaron. Wow. Did you even watch Super Bowl? I did. You I zoned out of that half. too, right? Huh? Did you zone out of the game too? I mean, it was just sad. <laughs> when the de when a deep like that's the bummer thing is like we we You're praise defenses and it's like it's just really cool but at a certain point when defense is good it's boring. When defense is wait good, hold on hold boring. on you're from Kansas City <laughs> yeah so when defense is good against your okay, offense so, it's but boring if, but if yeah, your if defense you, had tore them up it would not have been boring oh no 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 when the Broncos won Super Bowl fifty and they like they sacked Cam Newton multiple times it was the best thing ever I was. <laughs> I was cheering, I was screaming, I jumped in the pool. It was a great day. Because you're a Denver transplant. Yes. So you adopt Denver's proteins, but you also are true to your old. A little bit. A little yeah. like you like you like yeah. Kansas City. I was rooting for Kansas City in the Super Bowl for sure. Are you a Royals fan or a or a Rockies, or a Rockies? fan? Rockies. Oh, we you're at my house when that happened. Yeah. yeah. Th this that. is just proof <laughs> that our perspectives change dramatically based on our affections. It's very true. You know, and we're, we're hardwired that way. Yeah, like our whole country is hardwired to work, to rep the city you're from, and to hate the city that is like your rival. Okay, I'm just gonna go ahead and say that when I watched the commercial, I was very moved. I I I I, I was viscerally affected by the commercial. It's a beautiful commercial, and and I thought the symbol of that little chapel in the middle of America was just so classically Americana. And I was shocked that 
um, they but, would use a symbol that would be in any way connected to Christianity yeah. or Jesus. And I didn't think for one second that this was Bruce Springsteen advocating for faith or anything like that. You know, wow. I, and I, I felt like the metaphors were true to American, to Americana, really. And um, and then re, the reunited states of America. Yeah, I think that was like at the end, you, you know. But uh, it got slammed. It got absolutely slammed, destroyed, picked apart by both sides, by both sides. And and I did find it interesting because like uh, a really irrelevant magazine that's a Christian one that I I cannot stand because I cannot stand the writing and and I'm sure they're good people. There's good people everywhere, but I cannot stand them. Um, put a label that said it was a quasi-Christian commercial. And it really bothered me because I'm like, one, if we're like from like Christian faith perspective, you can have you can have your opinions. But I really did think don't fuel the fire to like animosity. Mm-hmm. And what I loved about the commercial was it it did and then it got attacked for being a Jeep commercial. Well they're really selling Jeep. Well of course they're selling Jeeps. But but they're actually making a statement. Yeah. Uh, that was interesting. I'm like, okay, they're making they chose to flash Jeep at the very end and he drove a Jeep. Mm-hmm. He drove an old Jeep they don't sell. And he was talking about bringing the country back together and I think that's it shows the status of where the country's really at. The fact that both sides absolutely destroyed Bruce Springsteen's idea of reuniting in the middle. Well, it wasn't even his idea, right? I mean, it's no, it, but he, but he became he, the spokesperson. He for became it. the sp- spokesperson for it. And what I think is interesting is not only did it get attacked by the left and the right for the idea of the commercial, but then he got attacked for who he was as a person. You know, having, having a, a DUI, DUI in November, and then being a part of a G commercial. Maybe not the smartest, you, you know. Uh, decision, but I don't think they even knew he had a DUI. And yeah, but, it was like the mothers of DUI. I think uh, like mothers against does. mad, mothers against drunk driving and everything. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I understand the deep pain that's in totally, you know totally. in uh, in that world. And but that and, comes back. Uh, to- and by the way, I, I've had we've both had friends who have lost their lives because of drunk driving, and and that's yeah. not an easy thing. On my birthday, yeah, um, but. I think that it doesn't. I don't think that dis, that doesn't discount his ability to do a commercial. No, because no one looks at him as um, well. Uh, in, in, no one looks at him going, "Oh, he's supposed to personify all this." We understand it's a commercial. We understand that he's a an iconic musical figure. Does it discount him from doing anything? You, you know, ever again. And that's a great question. Is like. If you make a mistake or if you do something that people disagree with or um, or if you just really blow it, is there any redemption in our culture? No, and, not in our and, culture, anymore? no. You know? No, no, no. Uh, it used to be. This used to be a culture where, where the recovery and, and finding a new way was actually something we cheerleaded and we applauded people for. Well, that's the whole idea of the West. The mm-hmm. West is where you went to start new. Yeah, they're just the east. Yeah, there's no new territory to go to to get to have a fresh start anymore. Right. And Uh, it does it does pose the question, will or the idea, will America become a place where it you it is impossible to come back from? Well, I do think what's gonna happen is people are gonna live more intensely secret lives. They're just not gonna tell you what they think, they're not gonna tell you who they are, they're not gonna tell you what they do because the only way to exist in the culture is to um is to hide it. Yeah, and um, 
But uh, so anyway, I, I thought the commercial, you know, every commercial is about selling something. Some commercials actually decide they're also going to try to make a contribution in the middle of their commercial. And I felt like that commercial was one of those. Um, I know that it got pulled. Now it's been banned. It's been banned? Yeah. Yeah, they took it down off of YouTube and everything because YouTube the, did. the DWI allegations came out. And Wow. Yeah. But it just shows you the state of America. Well, one, I just hope Bruce gets some help. We're going to get get some help. Hold on. Is Bruce bad? No, no. I mean, if he has an alcohol issue. Alcohol oh, yeah, is for sure. I hope he gets yeah. some help. No. The, it, the reality, though, is I guarantee you, like, the, the I don't want to attack anyone, like, anyone who's who's been affected by the death of a, you know, due to a DUI or a, a, drive, a drunk driving accident is, it's heartbreaking, but it, it, it isn't, that isn't the real, that isn't the reality. That isn't why they genuinely don't like the message of us coming back together as a country. Yeah. I just you going, cannot say, since when does a D, a person who's had a DUI gets taken off the internet? Every single person on TMZ would get taken off the internet. Well, that, that's what I'm When did the music industry get held to a standard of sobriety? Yeah. <laughs> you know, when, when did we ever think that musicians and, and artists were not yeah. um, constantly struggling with some kind of addiction or abuse. It, and uh, that that was the norm. And uh, I mean, I live in LA. You've been here all your life. No one's ever seen LA as a culture of temperance. And uh, this what is- What do you a, mean by that? Like where people don't drink a lot and they don't do drugs a lot and they don't, you know, yeah, live well, destructive lives. You, you, and, the, the irony of the weekend performing at the, of the Super Bowl halftime is if you listen to any of his lyrics- it's about like it's always about getting high, getting high, having sex, ex Like he's like like there are, there are a lot of rappers talking about getting high, but he is like an artist that's like graphically, and he's not a rapper. He's like a singer. But I'm mm -hmm. saying like just in music industry, right? He is someone who talks about getting very high. I can't feel my face when I'm with you. Is literally an entire pop song about <laughs> being so coked out of your mind. You can't. So like that's who's representing America. So this is the point. I mean, we can leave this out if you want. I'm saying the person who decides the Super Bowl has had a really messy pass. There are owners who have of the of Super Bowl teams who have really messy pasts. Mm -hmm. We're canceling everyone. Then we should just shut down television, shut down movies, shut down grocery stores, shut down pharmaceutical companies, shut down car companies. Shut down schools. Yeah, it's Shut interesting down churches. because we've been watching West Wing. We went back over the first seven seasons. You're really trying seasons. to get out of here, right? No, no, I'm not. And yesterday, Kim goes, did you hear about Rob Lowe? And I'm like, of course I am. I heard about Rob Lowe 30, 20 years ago. 20, when it 20 years ago when it happened. And yeah, but he, you know, he had this, this, this happen. I'm going, what's amazing is all that happened before he had his role on West Wing. Yeah. Like, if Aaron Sorkin did that today, he would be banished. From Hollywood, what bringing Rob Lowe back? Yeah, oh yes, yes. make giving him a central star role, yeah. and uh, he would he would be destroyed today. And so I I don't think we're we're using any kind of equity in our judgment of people and the way that we're creating standards and and looking at things because they would basically have to destroy the archive of all music all, and all the music industry all the film industry and no, television industry all of humanity some of the most famous people in our whole like Kim Kardashian got famous on a sex tape I'm not advocating that that's a good thing but like 
It's a very, but like the same thing that Rob Lowe got in trouble for before West Wing is the same thing that made Kim Kardashian wildly famous, right? I'm not judging anything. I'm not saying anything's good or bad. I'm just saying our, our culture shifts and certain people ride the waves of those shifts, right? It is so confusing to it me. It is so confusing. <laughs> yeah. and, and all I'll say is I've met Kim Kardashian at Mosaic and she was the kindest human being. She was super kind to me. So I don't base it off of what I read in the media. I'm just basing it off of like my in, my my interaction. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I uh, think this. No, I do know what you mean. I think that's why having these conversations are really important because we right now cancel culture and all of this judgmentalism. It's very targeted. It's very almost like an assassin's kind of sharpshooting. But be careful because eventually it's just going to be nuclear and no one's going to survive it. Well, I guarantee you at one point this podcast gets canceled. I guarantee you at one point we get banned off of YouTube, 100%. They're banning a Jeep. Well, not to say we're a Jeep commercial, but if they're banning a conversation about coming together in the middle, it's only a matter of time where this podcast grows. And this brings us to another conversation where we were talking about do you have to create a second internet? An internet that's free. Really quick, sorry. Jeep pulled the commercial, not YouTube. Oh, interesting. For the DUI stuff? Interesting. Right, but they pulled it because of the social pressure. And Yeah, they just wanted to make sure they got all the facts before deciding what to do. That's their statement. Well, no, they decided what to do before they got all the facts. Kind of true. You yeah. know, and it's not like you don't know. He's one of the most famous per- people in the world. You know, he had a DUI. Back it sounds like Springsteen's team. They pitched the commercial to Jeep. Interesting. Wow. Like he was part of the creative team that made the commercial. Oh, I read an article that said he's, they've been pitching him for ten years, wow. and that, that that they came to the table going, "Yeah, we're going to do this one with you." Cool. So I don't know who who hmm. wrote it or which team, but like there has been a history of them trying to access or Jeep trying to access Bruce Springsteen and him mm-hmm. saying, "No, no, no, no," and then finally this one came onto the table. So I don't know who. But yeah, his, I, he has a concert in February that, that that's still going to happen. Sounds like so it's it's like he's canceled in one way and then people who are fans of him still going to go to a virtual concert. Yeah. I mean, I'm not even like a Bruce Springsteen fan in terms of like music or anything like that. Oh, and I can, I can make a playlist for you. <laughs> and, uh, no, I mean, uh, I think he's iconic. I just look back and and. um I, I I I just think that we're in danger of of using people's past in a very strategic way rather than a really an honest way. And um, I just I think it's not healthy for us as a society. Uh, people who mess up still have something to say. I, I mean, I, I have to wonder, like, could John Kennedy or Robert Kennedy or Martin Luther King Jr survive this present culture or would they be destroyed because of their private lives and then their cultural, political, social messages that are so critical to the advancement of our society would be lost because of the way they would be trashed based on their private life. Martin Luther King, I'm making you very nervous in this episode, but I think this is every day of our lives. Martin Luther King wouldn't make it. No, that's what I said. None of those men would oh, you make didn't it. Mention my, you, I did mention it. Did you mention MLK? Oh, okay, my yeah. bad. My bad. And I only bring that up because I'm like, it doesn't change the way he makes me f- feel, and 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 I still feel convicted. 
when I listen, when I hear him speak and I still read the books on him, like it doesn't change the way I view him. It also, but it like, are we going to put an asterisk on every person's life for the rest of eternity? Mm. You know, we talked about us being canceled. Are we? I think they are going to, I think now everybody's going to get an asterisk, right? You, you know I mean? That's going to be the future. Should this be bad already with an asterisk? And on Sunday, we had a technical glitch on, uh, at Mosaic. In the middle of my message, it said violation of... I don't even know if it got to the middle of your message. It was somewhere in there, it said violation of the YouTube... <laughs> copyright laws. Copyright laws. Infringement, and yeah. I genuinely believed I just said something that got tagged and I was canceled. What was it? It didn't, I didn't know. Um, but I did work from the assumption that the internet, the giant internet, <laughs> and the machinery decided that my message could no longer go out to the world. And later we discovered it was like a, a, a misinterpretation of copyright issues. Um, but well, it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, it was a message you had done at a conference and then it had never happened before, but this, they had, the conference let us use it, but then we weren't cleared on the back end. Yeah. But I wouldn't be surprised if there won't be a day where I'll say something that suddenly I'll get tagged. You know, a friend of mine was texting me from across the country. They're asking me some questions on a political level. I mentioned a few uh, things I knew from inside of, of um, the political world. Right. And then I said to him, hey, our texting probably just got tagged. And I, I almost guarantee you someone's reading this. Yeah. And he goes, let's wait till later to talk. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, um, it is a crazy world when you realize... Well, I got a, I got a system for you. There's an okay. app called Telegram that you can use, and it's encrypted both ends, and it deletes right after. It, it doesn't delete... You can put an option for whether it deletes right after, but it's not stored anywhere. Mm -hmm. So that's what I use <laughs> to <laughs> talk to my friends about anything political that I care about. Not that I think anyone's watching, but they are watching. It's not about if, they are. And it doesn't mean they're watching everyone, but it does mean they're like, your, your, your conversation's monitored and yeah. you know, that's back to George W. Bush stuff, you know? Wait, wait, man, oh, I have stories I can tell. I'm just trying to figure out which ones I should tell. And <laughs> I did, can we, can we yeah. pause it real quick? Cause we've been yeah. going 50 minutes. Don't you think this is political? This conversation? No. Um, the coming out of his DUI and all that kind of stuff. A little bit, but in what direction? Because he's known as being progressive, but the commercial was very much... So, right, so it's a progressive actually trying to say, let's get back together. Rain it back in. But mm -hmm. the left doesn't want that, to be honest with you. I think it's just tough because it's like a, it's a commercial trying to talk to us how to come together and be like... A, and they're trying to have a, a more reputable in like wholesome voice and the representative they chose is someone who's like not someone that they want to make a role model to America. Right. So who do they want to make a role model to America? Who knows? Like, Amanda I mean, it's Gorman. very, it's very difficult. Well, Reese Witherspoon was filmed screaming at a police officer drunk. Do you know who I am in Tennessee? And yes. it didn't hurt her career at all. At all. Okay. I would, I would like to keep this conversation <laughs> on this part. Can we keep this part or no? Yeah, I think this is one's actually, this is good. When mm -hmm. I'm learning, uh, we're getting more information. Yeah, I think because everything in there is very interesting yeah. that's happening. <laughs> and and I'll say, like, I, I love Reese Witherspoon and so yeah, yeah. as an actress and everything. But the fact that she was screaming at a what, police officer mm -hmm. drunk, 
uh, and it didn't ha affect her career at all. It does seem to be very selective, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, it, it and it does feel agendaed. And um, it just, I guess it's it's it comes back. It, I agree with everything you're saying. It comes back to the reality of he is one of the major voices in the U.S. culture in the world to the world. Springsteen. Yeah. Springsteen. So because he did one bad thing, that's publicly known. Mm -hmm. Does that discredit him from ever having a deep and impactful conversation politically in our country, right? Because he was a progressive, now he's pulling it back going, no, 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 we need to go back to the middle and have a conversation. He actually wasn't even abandoning his progressiveness. He was just saying this needs to happen. Yeah. But I'm, I guess I worry about like, will, will Justin Bieber ever be able to do anything important? Well, everything he does is discredited because he lived his entire life mm -hmm. in the media. He is like a perfect example of someone who probably one of the first generational people to be so famous from his childhood to like adulthood. And you've watched a 180 switch to mm -hmm. becoming a man and growing and being an advocate for politics and faith and being a married person young and all of these things. Yeah, but because it discredited everything he does because he was caught yeah. doing stuff. But here's the funny thing. Here I am, a pastor, a Christian, um, and I'm actually saying... Bruce Springsteen, who's, I guess, a progressive, far-left guy who struggles, you know, with a history of maybe addiction, I don't know, um, that he should not be disqualified from trying to say something meaningful. Mm -hmm. And um, I guess I, I grew up, you know, uh, when I came to faith, all I ever heard were Christians were the judgmental ones. And now I'm wondering if we're going to be the only ones left that are not judgmental, because <laughs> uh, it seems like we're definitely being one-upped on the judgmental um, yeah. space. I, I feel like it. This too is like there. It's 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 both the the effect and the symptom that the Jeep pulling it as fast as they did is just a symptom of them protecting themselves from this culture that like. Just, just to cover base, especially, especially when something gets to such a high peak. It was the most talked about ad in the Super Bowl. Yep. Has the had the most views on YouTube compared to any other brand. And so the like, obviously, people are going to come looking for any kind of dirt to help take them off that high. Anything, anytime someone gets to that peak. So I think that and but and I think in a couple of weeks, like this, the news cycle goes so fast. Is if Springsteen is still someone who people like enough. They'll forget it in the same way Bieber, like Bieber was on SNL this past like season. Yeah, right. Like he like people forget if they like if they want to, depending on like yeah, but that's a that, of... but that's the problem is that he's the boss. So he will survive this. Mm. But when they go after you, Brian, one day, mm -hmm. or they go after you, Brooke, or they go after you, Aaron, or whatever, they it's they like try. like what? They already tried. Yeah, no, what I'm saying is like um when people decide to go after every single person who says something to disagree with, who's going to be there to protect you? Yeah. And and are you going to have enough relational influence and clout to overcome what what someone else says about you? Yeah. It's like the, this culture is most dangerous to people who don't have that clout. Yeah. It could actually ruin their lives. Yeah. Compared yeah. to... And, and lies can ruin your life because all people do is remember the lie. They don't remember the truth that follows it. Uh, I want to bring up another... Th 
I think aspect of this, and then we can wrap this up because we can kind of go in. But I do think it's an interesting topic. So I think the commercial was really important and really special. I also think the the this idea that it was a Jeep commercial, and because it's a Jeep commercial and paid for by Jeep, that it's discredited because it's an ad. I think I I've, I want to be an advocate for every politician should become a NASCAR driver, and that every time <laughs> they wear clothing, they should have to put their top twenty at. Um, paid endorsements. All the lobbyists back. who have helped them get yes, elected. <laughs> because there is not a singular political voice, a singular news anchor, person in the media mm-hmm. that is not paid for by someone that is trying to sell you something. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, yeah. the, the Tiger Woods documentary that Jake and I were telling you about, when he got caught for his first issue, they also owned the gossip column, also owned Men's Health. So they said, okay, we'll squash the story if you go on the cover of Men's Health so we can sell more Men's Health. So like ev- every <laughs> – so that's the – I always want to ask the question of like oh. who's trying to sell us what and what are you trying to sell us and where are we trying to go with this? Yeah, I know, and uh, we didn't even get to the whole uh, controversy with the Mandalorian. We didn't. Should we jump into it and just make that another bit, a part of it? Yeah. Okay. So this brings us to, the, to one of the other interesting things. There's a show called The Mandalorian. Disney. Disney Plus, it's a kind of a spinoff of Star Wars and Boba Fett, and like all it is, right? It's the yeah. Boba Fett world of mm-hmm. yeah. Boba Fett's a Mandalorian and a Mandalorian and the this whole thing. So I got through the first season, I loved oh, just, it. By the way, I, I worked with the original Boba Fett. You did Boba Fett. Yeah, is it Boba Fett? Boba Fett. Boba. Boba. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Yeah. And he actually put the cross. On, there's a there's a cross in like that that, yep. that is the when you go the one of one. Uh, one of one east is that what it'd be? North. He put that cross up there. Oh. That was him. That yep, was him. that was him. And he had to do it multiple times. The first time he did it, the neighbors came over and cut it, tore it down. And then he said uh, he finally did. I think the third time they he, took him to court. They took him to court. He dropped a helicopter and steel plated it in that where they couldn't cut it down. They took him to court, and the judge said that Hollywood needs a little. Uh, light of their darkness. A little bit of light in the middle of darkness and left the cross up there. So I I, I knew him because I worked on a film he and he did the stunts for and then yeah, he told so, he told he told the story and I thought it was really impressive because he was the original both in the first the first yeah. whatever however many episodes he was in. So he uh, helped me not get killed when I went through explosives uh, or the glass window. Three, first three movies yeah. of, of George Lucas and Star Wars. But um The Mandalorian is on Disney Plus. Yes. I like the first season. The second season, I fell asleep in. I didn't really like it, but it's it's huge on Disney Plus, massive. But there's some controversy with two stars. Yeah, and I don't know them well enough to. Um, Brooks sent us their names. Pull it up here. We you, got it. You do have Pedro Pascal, who I am familiar with, and he's the Mandalorian. So there's two characters in this controversy: Pedro Pascal and Gina Carano. I don't I don't know the the show well enough to know who's who, but Pedro I recognize his face. Right. And and I guess Gina he's is the Mandalorian. Really, he's the Mandalorian. He's underneath the helmet. So yeah. he barely gets any screen time. Like you just don't see his face. His face. No, you, you fi- and we finally did in season two, right? In season one, too, at the Oh, very season end. one at the end, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's some spoilers. Yeah. Okay. And, and then, sorry. then yeah, <laughs> Gina Carano. Who's Gina Carano in the show? Kara Doom. Who's that? She's a rebel shock trooper from like Yeah, turned like mercenary and now and in season two she's uh like a marshal. Okay, so here we go. She tweets out this past week. She gets fired right. from The Mandalorian. Yeah, and what I saw briefly was that there were three tweets over the last, I guess, year or so from that, her. that were highlighted. Uh, the, the newest one was the most unfortunate. She said something like, uh, being a Republican 
in America today is like being a Jew during the Holocaust. And which it's not. Which it's not. And yeah. uh, which and, I think what she was trying to say, if we were trying to put in a healthier context, how would you? What was her motive? Well, one for whatever reason, people always feel like they have to bring in Nazism and the Holocaust into any kind of modern con- con- conversation. But I'm wondering because someone highlighted that Pedro Pascal had last year had said that the Republicans uh, is Republicans is this. Um, this is what he put. Oh wow! So he, so he equated um, Republicans with Nazis, with and, Confederates, and the Confederacy. Nazis, and then comparing "Make America Great Again" to the same thing. Right, and so if you're on the right, you're you're a Nazi, and and I I think any language like that is uh, not only unfortunate, it's really inappropriate, and so she should have never said that. Uh, but uh, it's interesting that she lost her job. And she was fired uh, by Lucasfilms instantly out of that. Um, but he doesn't get fired for his statement on the other side. And I know she also uh, posted things about believing the election was stolen, there was election fraud. And so clearly she's on the right of this whole um, political you know, conversation, right? right? And I do think that if you're on the left you're less likely to get canceled in Hollywood. And if you're anywhere on the right, you better not say anything because there's a good chance that you will be canceled. Why do you think that is? Because we, I've lived here my whole life, lots of friends who act, lots of friends who direct, lots mm-hmm. of friends who are in that system. A lot of them, a lot of the really well-known ones that I know, I don't know tons, but I know a few, they're deeply conservative but they ha- they feel like they have to be liberal to keep their jobs and to work again. And this is a great this mm-hmm. is a great proof mm-hmm. that that you kind of do or you get canceled, but I but I'm always just curious cuz I also know lots of lots of lots of younger guys that come out. I feel like the younger guys come out to to Hollywood and they're very left, very liberal. Mm-hmm. And that's there's you can believe whatever you want to believe in, that's fine. But it does. There is like a an undercurrent in the industry where I don't believe the top guys are very liberal, but they're they're living in a liberal space, and so it kind of controls mm-hmm. the narrative. Yeah, I've lived in LA now for thirty years. Right. Um, I've been fairly integrated into the industry. Decently, right? You have lots of friends. Lots of friends, and I can tell you overwhelmingly, um, there is a huge number of conservatives in Hollywood, they just never speak up. And they have told me, you have to be smarter than that. You cannot come out as being um, in any way on the right or being a Republican or being um, a libertarian or something like that. And and, and so it, it is clear in that, at least from the, the technological world and the, um, and the film industry, that it's going to to be harder to not get canceled if you're on the right. It's going to be much easier to say whatever you want on the left and survive it. And even if you make mistakes, and because I, I do think everybody makes mistakes. They say things in a moment where they're heated and they didn't mean it the way they said it or they didn't even think through the implications of it. Most of these people are, are not political scientists. Most of them are not theologians. Most of them are... Not philosophers. Uh, not philosophers. They're not learned. They barely graduated high school. They're just tweeting out of frustration or anger or a thought and they don't think through all the implications of it. 
Uh, but you you better have someone who vets everything you say now, right? If you're going to keep working. But it's a huge it's 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 a huge contrast to 80 years ago in Hollywood, where the the communist blacklist was a thing, the mm-hmm. red channels, the, the yeah. pamphlet that was that was published and produced inside of Hollywood that had a, a actual like legal ramifications. If you were on this list, you could get fined up to a thousand dollars, which was a lot back then, and in jail for up to a year, and then you were never going to work in this in this city ever again. So it's interesting that it's not saying the left is communist, but it's 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 a it's a huge swing in political focus. Well, but, I mean the government was identifying Hollywood as communist and anyone that didn't like they were calling them a communist and they were right. going after people and but if anything you should learn from that and go uh when when the government was going after the left it was wrong. And uh, and and if you're going after the right, it's still wrong. Like people, it's just not a healthy culture. I think I say that just yeah. going like this has been a thing forever. Yeah, and we never learn when we when we don't have power and we get abused by people with power. The moment we have power, we choose to abuse almost exactly the same way. We don't actually come back and go, oh, we learned by being the victims that you shouldn't treat people this way. Oh, we go and say, oh, it's our turn to do this now. Yeah. Because you did it to us, so we're going to do it back. And and that is a pendulum that just never stops swinging. It just it just stays so destructive forever and ever uh, and ever. And even like when you have uh, people in Washington who are our, our representatives in Congress and the Senate saying, anyone who worked for the Trump White House should never be employed again. There should be a list that's put out publicly, and those people should never work again. So what you're saying is that anyone who worked for the United States government, who was a Republican, doesn't have the right to ever work in this nation again. I mean, we need to think through the implications of what we're saying. This is the country where if a person comes out and says, I am a hardcore socialist, they should have the right to work anywhere. And I mean, if a person comes out and says, look, I am a hardcore Republican, that person should still have the right to work anywhere. And and yet what's happening more and more in society is uh, we're using political positions as a litmus, litmus test for whether a person can have a job. Interesting. And um, that's that's kind of scary to me. It's a little, it's a little dangerous. Um, and I think it's something at least that it's worth talking about and, and identifying and highlighting because right now you may be the person listening going, these people need to be censored. These people need to be shut down. These people need to lose their jobs. I'm telling you, if you're that person, the world will shift again. Mm-hmm. And, and you're going to have to um, remember what you're saying now when things are reversed. And I'll say that the whole moral majority who in the 80s tried to force everyone to act like they were a Christian and to um, hold to Christian morality and values from a moral majority perspective, you were the far right and you abused your power and you created a backlash and people now on the far left have taken on the model that you used. And so what you're experiencing from the left is what you they experienced from the right. I, I want to interject this because when I moved to L.A. Uh, around 30 years ago, I started going to a church that was boycotting Universal Studios because I think it was Martin Scorsese um, directed The Last Temptation of Christ. And uh, it was a really controversial film. It was 
if you're a Christian, it was it was really offensive and um, um, and sacrilegious. And I remember coming here, and, and I was told you can't go to Universal, you can't go to Universal movie because I it was joining this church, and I told them I would never boycott Universal. I am going to Universal Studios, <laughs> and when they make a great movie, I'm also going to go see it, and I'm going to tell my friends. And I think Universal has every right to make the movie The Last Temptation of the Christ, and uh, they have every right, as so we say, every right to tell his story uh, and to create his art, and I have the right to not go see it, or I have the right to not like it. And so I, I want to interject that because even when something goes against something I hold dearly, dearly, the, the message and story and person of Jesus. Mm -hmm. I have, um, I've always believed that our society is better when people are allowed to speak and hold their position, uh, even if it violates everything that I hold dear. Yeah, I remember when I f first started going to New York City, um, I'd stay in this, this hotel that was newer there, and I think it was near Flatiron, and... It, the street that it was on was also on um, a street where all the mosques were in, like the bottom floors of these buildings. And the cool thing about New York is uh, sometimes certain streets have like have like kind of basement floors. Mm -hmm. Most kitchens have like a basement uh -huh. where they bring the food in downstairs. But then the, sometimes you have offices where it's like the storefront goes downstairs, and and you would actually hear worship. You'd hear the worship, mm. and it, it was interesting because you know you go to New York. I remember I was new to New York. I think it was like two thousand eight, two thousand nine, and when I was first going. And, and um, you know, it was after September 11th, and there was so much polarization to mm. religious freedom and, and what, you know, how you saw people from the Middle East, how you perceived Muslims. And and then I went to, to that hotel, and I went on the street, and I was like, you know, it's what, what was a beautiful thing. It was really eye-opening because it was like I saw community. Mm. saw people who were going to worship together, peaceful people, kind people. They weren't rude. They weren't mean. There was nothing There was nothing hostile. And mm. it was it was such a good reminder that, that um that we talk about what it is to be American or being a part of you know American society, being a U.S. citizen or whatever it is, but it is freedom of speech, it is freedom of religion, it is this ability to be free and be different, and to fight for all religions and all freedoms, and and to be open-minded and understanding and and connecting on the human level. And so I think whether it's a movie or whether it's someone's religion, I think there is something. And you you've talked about this in one of the most brilliant series ever at Mosaic is the truth between us. There's mm -hmm. always a truth between us. And I think we're sometimes too focused on um, the differences between us and the truth. Mm. And so can we can we do that? Can we build that? And can we perceive it and understand it even when it makes us feel uncomfortable? Mm. That's a good question. And that I think is a good measure of the health of a culture. And and that's why back to Bruce Springsteen, you know, we got to find some way to meet in the middle, in the middle. <laughs> and uh, and we need to begin to have meaningful conversations and have a reunited states of America. So um, maybe that's why I was moved because I'm a person that really believes that we're better together and that the, the diversity of ideas and beliefs and perspectives when they're brought into the same room help us all become better. Mm -hmm. I love that. Thank you for listening to this podcast. It this, was a long one. This was a long one. So for all of you that were looking for long, looking for <laughs> looking for deep, looking for time, this is this is it. Take a long walk. Take your dog out. Get out. Take a long <laughs> walk and enjoy this podcast. Thank you for um, listening and watching. Uh, you can rate and review this podcast on iTunes. 
you can um, listen to it on Spotify and you can watch it on YouTube and you can leave a comment. Um, share this with your friends. Tag people on the Instagram Battle Ready podcast. Um, I'm not really checking emails right now so just because we're doing so much with other stuff. But um, we did release some merch. We're releasing more merch. Mm. So check out the link in the bio on the Instagram. The link in the bio. It'll have a merch link. You can check it out. We love you guys so much. And thank you for everyone who supports the podcast on Anchor. Yeah, absolutely. Anchor is, is where we host our podcast. And it's I think it's owned by Spotify. And mm-hmm. they have a little section where you can give, you know, 99 cents, $4.99, $9.99 a month. And thank you for every person who signs up and does that. I think we have over 126 people who do that each and every month. We are super grateful for that. It helps us put these episodes out, make merch, uh, build what we're doing, and hopefully someday take this thing on tour. That would be fun. That would be really fun. Oh, tour traveling. That would be amazing. That would be amazing. I love you guys. Love you guys. Bye.